Good morning! Thank you for joining me on another episode of Woke Women Writing. This is your host, Michaela. Um, I'm very happy that you guys joined me today. It is April 30th, 2021, a Friday, and I'm here with a guest, which is very exciting. This doesn't happen every time, so it's a special treat for us. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, you guys. I'm Suzanne. Uh, I'm 20 years old, and we, yeah, Michaela and I, we've known each other from a mutual friend uh, whom I've been to high school with, Leonard. Shout out to you. <laughs> and yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, it's a little rainy outside, so hopefully the sun will come out and give us some positive energy for those this weekend, make us feel energized and, and good. Exactly. Um, cool. So we are continuing with Chapter 3, Head Games. Um, we stopped at one point, so we are going to start it back up, um... And one of the first points that were brought up, and I think you also mentioned this, was like basically the 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 counterproductive compliments or the like stereotypes of certain people, um, specifically regarding academics. Yeah. Um, do you, interesting topic. So I feel like stereotypes are always like negative, but they're also I mean, they are always negative, but it's always a negative connotation. But even when it does have a positive connotation, it is still uh, damaging. So, yeah, thoughts? It totally usually also derives from a negative connotation still. I feel like um, even when you look at, like, the easiest example, for example, Europe with cultures, people know specific cultures or um, countries from stereotypes, and they make fun of them. Um, and it's seen as some some are seen as like generally accepted, but still they're not always positive. I think that's the best example. Yeah. Um, and I remember there's this TV show. I don't know if you've seen it called What Would You Do? Um, and they it's like a hidden camera TV show, and it's basically trying to find um, what people's responses would be, um, and if they would intervene. And what they did was they took a setting in a bar. And they had this woman hitting on this, uh, I think it was an Asian man, oh no, it was a black man, the whole night saying, oh, I bet you play basketball so well, oh, I bet you can, like, um, do X, Y, Z. And even though it was, like, she was like, no, 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 like, I'm complimenting him, people still, like, stood up and was like, no, you're stereotyping him, even if it's in a way, I was like, oh, you must be so athletic, Um, it's still damaging. Yeah, it's the same thing as when people would say to Dutch people, oh, you must be really good at ice skating, right? They're like, perhaps, but it's not necessarily a thing that everyone does here. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah. once you say, you, you like, like, yeah, let's say you say you're Dutch, and it's like, oh, you must be really good at soccer, at football, and yeah. all of a sudden that becomes your entire identity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The identity thing, that is, I think, something that bugs people the most. They really, you really believe that if you only have ever gotten one impression from a specific culture or a country or whatever, that that is the only thing that everyone is like holding on to and clinging on to. And what's also funny, I think, is that those people who actually do that, if they, if they don't realize that it, it's offensive, they actually victimize themselves for being 
yeah, like being responded to with annoyed reactions, which and where I'm thinking like, how do you have the right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just I'm thinking because, um, you're German, so I'm wondering if there's like any preconceived ideas in my head for like my fellow German students. Um, I think maybe when I was like younger, my first thought was like Oktoberfest. So you guys must like love to party and drink and like eat sausages and pretzels and beer. Um, when like yeah. that's not. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, we, the Germans like to do it, but it's not the only thing they do. Right, right. Um, is there any like preconceived positive or negative stereotypes for Americans? For Americans. I mean, I think the main stereotype that everyone has in Europe from Americans is that Americans always want to be the best at anything and that they see themselves as, you know, like the superior whatever because um, because you are always so positive about everything. Okay. And that's also a thing. I think that people conceive Americans as like overly polite. Um, and then the, the negative annotation to that is that people perceive Americans sometimes as being fake, which is right. pretty, like, pretty rough. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, like, that is also connected to, like, the, the thought of the American dream and that philosophy. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think... The extent to whether that's true, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And something that I've noticed, um, like, being American is, like, the stereotype of eat being indirect and, like, hinting at our problems. Versus the Dutch. Oh, really? Yeah, versus the Dutch are, like, stereotypically very direct. Um, mm-hmm. So then, like, when people find out I'm American, they're kind of like, oh, you probably have a lot of stuff, like, deep down that bothers you about me that you just don't want to talk really? about. Um, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh. Wow. I mean. That is, that is rough. That's interesting. I actually, I never really considered that to be a stereotype for Americans. I actually always thought that Americans and Dutch people are quite comparingly, like, kind of the same when it comes to being direct. Or at least, I think that, that Americans are di- direct in general, but maybe that the Dutch people kind of, um, add an extra spoon to it in, like, being perceived as blunt as well okay which, yeah but you know i've never really i've never really thought of it like that but that's interesting mm-hmm. hearing like hearing that from you as someone who is american as well yeah yeah um cool okay so there was a oh. good also i never said the book with the, the name of the book we're reading unladylike by kasheen conger and caroline oven i always like halfway through this i'm like oh what am i talking about you should probably be aware um there was a large section about um perfectionism and imposter syndrome um Mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask like have you ever experienced or seen other people experience heavy duty um stress with perfectionism heavy duty imposter syndrome oh well i i felt this part of the book when i was reading it okay because um i actually think that perfection is something that really is strived for in like our culture and maybe also um in german culture because i've spent high school in germany as well um and and i would say that personally i also tend to be a perfectionist and i tend to really recognize this imposter syndrome so that basically you have to kind of 
hold up a specific face and like you can't lose this face of wanting to be hardworking, like wanting to be striving, wanting to be at the top of your game all the time. Um, and I think that has kind of gotten uh, a new definition or a new dimension as soon as I started uni here because all of a sudden I was confronted with people who did not necessarily care that much about their grades as um, the culture I was used to in Germany because in Germany it was very high notch like it, you either was you either were that kid that wanted to be like the best in class or you just didn't care that much or you just couldn't get to the best grades so you would just settle for anything that you would get okay which is weird because in the end it still revolves around this degree of being perfect or yeah like striving for that perfection um and here it didn't matter that much to the people and like you could get your retakes for your exams and it didn't matter if you'd have to retake an exam for the fourth time you'd still be fine as long as you just passed your exam and I was someone who coped with that terribly but I didn't understand why people would want to do an exam over and over again um and be stressed about that like that stressed me out more than the stress uh I had in wanting to be perfect or like just good at what I did um so that was interesting it kind of confronted me with with that a little bit as well um but yeah what what do you think about that like have you experienced that for yourself um so I would say more so the imposter syndrome than the perfectionists um I have Mm -hmm. seen perfectionism in um my friends and stuff and I've always hold a very strong boundary of I'm not allowing uni to take over my mental health and I like yeah um so like for example today is like rainy and I've been like working a lot of my thesis um so I'm gonna like spend the day like out and about and being social because I'm gonna allow that for me and just because it's Mm -hmm. Friday doesn't mean I need to be staying at my computer for six hours um but at the same time it's quite difficult for me to admit that I have been working hard on my thesis. Um, it's hard for mm-hmm. me to admit how far I've gotten. Um, and I remember okay. I noticed this a lot more maybe like a year or a year and a half ago when like, mm-hmm. especially being in quite an international setting, um, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like special if that makes sense because I just was like oh I'm just like every other international student here Uh, um and I felt like very uh on the kind of like I felt like I wasn't doing international schooling like I didn't and I was talking to my mom and I was like oh I'm just like the Dutchies I'm just like you know the Germans whatever and she was like you flew across the planet at 18 into a country you've never lived in before, into a language you don't know, into a yeah, culture you're not yeah. familiar with. Like, give yourself some props. Um, of course. And that's something very yeah. hard for me to, like, grasp. Um, yeah. Especially, um, yeah. you know, this isn't, like, we're not year one uni students. We've been doing this for a little while, so... The more mm-hmm. it's more regular it becomes, it's harder to take a step back and look at what yeah, you've done. Yeah, I think that's maybe you can also connect that to actually the previous topic of kind of productive compliments. I feel like in Holland we are very um, easy on 
treating people as if they are nothing special mm -hmm. because that is kind of this grounded stereotype that people have from Holland, but it's kind of true, I would say. Um, and they don't treat internationals or anyone else as something special because maybe, I don't know, it could be underlying worries of them uh, or of internationals uh, kind of like outgrowing the, the Dutch people or like creating this us against them culture, which they want to avoid, but then kind of create by themselves by normalizing it. Because I mean, I think the fact that you come from a different country with different morals and values, a different background, that in itself is nothing that should be not recognized. Like I think in recognizing that you can actually help those people who come abroad and who travel all this way. And it actually opens up so many opportunities to to have a conversation with each other, to learn from each other. And I think with the counterproductive compliments, you kind of, yeah, you kind of diminish that if you, if you practice that a lot, because you kind of miss this opportunity um, of, of actually asking questions and being curious about something you would normally be negative about. It's like this fear of, yeah, the fear of hurting or the fear of being vulnerable, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I notice when, like, one bump in the road, which always, mm -hmm. it never feels like a bump in the road. It always feels like a massive rock, like, stopping you in your path. Um, yeah. one, one little bump in the road makes me kind of, like, question all of my everything, everything you know? Like, every little, like... It like, turns into an existential crisis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> last night, yeah. I was stressing because I failed a reset and then normally that in itself wouldn't bot like wouldn't like failing something it sucks but it's not the it's end part of the journey it's part of the journey right think. and but the fact that this was like my second attempt on this project and then so that's so but still that wasn't enough to make me cry but then in the exact same mm -hmm. moment i checked my personal email because i was already on my student email so i checked my personal email and i got rejected this internship that i really wanted and then, like, mm. that in, like, combined, yeah, that threw me off the edge. And yeah. so and then I was like, ah, like, I'm no good at anything. Oh, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? So maybe there is some hidden perfection in your school career that bothers you when yeah. you're abroad. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, the combination I mean, of, like, normal, yeah, it's, it's normal. It is. Yeah. Um. It's just like the combination of like, okay, well, I'm not a good student, obviously. I failed this one project and I'm not going to be a good worker because nobody wants to hire me. So what can I do with myself? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, but so what do you do to kind of cope with, with these symptoms where you see yourself trying to be perfect and you recognize that it's not something that makes you happy in the moment? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm the type of person that, like, doesn't need space when I'm sad. I'm the type of person that, like, mm -hmm. outreaches to other people. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, for this example, my first thought was, like, the logistics. How am I going to do this again? So I sent a voice message to my best mm -hmm. friend. I was like, hey, I need to email the exam board. I don't even know who they are. How does one beg the exam board to let you have a third chance like how does that work um so once I got like the logistics sides of it kind of taken care of then I allowed myself to um be sad 
And I think I also give myself specific time where I allow myself to be emotional. Um, That's good. Yeah, like, it's not ideal if I'm, like, cooking dinner or I'm on the phone with somebody or I'm, like, grocery shopping. Those are not ideal times to be emotional. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, if you're emotional, you are. And sometimes you just need to let it go, right? That is true. Sometimes you just need to let it go. Um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, 10 p.m. after my meeting ends, like, after I'm done with what I need to do, then I can, <laughs> then I can all, like have the feels um (laughs) but yeah kind of kind of kind of like bouncing off of that do you i wanted to talk about um coping mechanisms um Mm -hmm. does this kind of go hand hand in hand with that um oh yeah and i think there are healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy coping mechanisms um and so there was a specific page number i wrote down um Basically, um, oh yeah, so it kind of talked about um, self-medicating quite a bit, either with um, weed or drinking or medicine, um, which isn't good or bad if it's done correctly, Um, Yeah, you know, so like do you... I don't know how to say this politely. Do you self-medicate in terms of, like, de-stressing? No worries. No boundaries here. Um, I mean, self-medication, if we're talking in, like, clinical terms, uh, really going to a doctor for medication, um, asking for a small or minor research of some sort, seeing what's wrong with your body or what's up. I think what I have had... Uh, a year ago, about a year ago, um, that I was basically, I want to say, low-key burned out, um, because I traveled from Germany to Utrecht, which is like two and a half, three hours, one way, and back uh, every day for a half a year, and that just drains you, not just mentally, but physically as well. Absolutely. Um, And I used to work I think like two jobs at the same time as well and then I made a very quick switch where I moved to a city close to Utrecht and uh, there I worked even more because I was like around and um, that resulted in me getting like rashes all over my body and not many people know about that maybe a few people do because I'm not a close person but um, yeah it, it started to affect my physical health and on top of my mental health but like I'm I want to say that I'm a mentally strong person so I never really it never really bothered me that much and I knew it was going to happen I was kind of preparing myself for that the the year before I started the study because I knew that I'd be traveling um and this this these signs of my body kind of giving up those were like definite signs to me where I was thinking okay I need to take it easy I need to quit doing this um I need to find some counseling on how to kind of turn down again because I'm someone who once I, my engine starts I don't want to stop like I just I'm this train that just goes and goes and goes and goes until yeah. there is basically no final destination and um yeah so what I did then is I think that I got some sort of antibiotics against like the rashes 
but then I also started, I actually started taking more care of myself in the sense that I started taking like medicinal baths. So taking lavender, you know, like, like inhaling scents, um, mm-hmm. sensory stuff that just make me relax. And I think that is the most medicinal that I ever got. Like the then, homo, homopathic stuff. Homeo, yeah, like that stuff. And then I'm also like a big fan of like spiritual things. Like I love crystals, um, commercialized or not you that's up to you but I there's something in it for me and like I give it meaning so that's fine and yeah yeah there you go yeah I got my crystals here <laughs> um, um yeah and then basically um what happened after that yeah next to that my my general coping mechanisms that I have for stress or anything else if I feel that it's well enough is just a cre- being creative like creative outlet like I love to write I write diary I love to read uh, poetry. I love to also just have good conversations with people if I'm genuinely curious about a topic. Like I do a lot of stuff. I exercise sometimes, but that's not my preferred way of doing things. The same. I mean, yeah. I'm not the type to love exercise, but I mean, that's fine. And yeah, that's stuff like that. I just, just a creative outlet, I guess. Yeah. Um, I really like writing as well. And I try to use it as, like, mm-hmm. an outlet, but then my inner self is like, this is shit, why are you doing this? You have no character oh, development. What do you... Oh, but what do you write about? Um, well, some mostly I focus on, like, poetry-type stuff, um, but then I get frustrated mm-hmm. with myself because I notice that all of my poems, which is my creative outlet, which should be a judgment-free zone, um... It's all of course. like surrounded by the theme of men, and that frustrates me. So, because why I'm does like, it frustrate, it frustrates me because I'm like, why is this the only thing I can like pour my heart into and pour my emotions into? Um, why um, can't I write about things that are like more significant than men? Yeah, but like. It- I mean, at the same time, if that is where your heart guides you at that moment, then it might be just a major frustration that is more unconscious than conscious, that it might be good to let that out. Yeah. I mean, I always, I also have the same thing with my diary. When I write diary, I'm like, oh, um, I, I'm, I always think, I always think that I start writing diary to document just fun things in my life. But you most of the times find yourself writing or feeling the need to write when you're feeling shit. Yeah. So... I mean, okay, so whether it frustrates me or not that I'm not writing about the stuff that I intentionally wanted to write about, I mean, in the end, I am writing, and it is an outlet, and I do feel better afterwards, so why wouldn't that be valid enough? Yeah, and um, I was actually quite proud of myself earlier this week. Um, I've been working, I've, I've been talking to my therapist about like, journaling, um, and mm-hmm. so... I was really stressed about some stuff, and so I, like, sat my partner down and I said, hey, these are my feelings, like, ex- like boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, these are my feelings, and these are why I'm having those feelings. This example, this example, this example. And we just kind of, like, Great. talked it out, like, okay. And I remember one of them, um, and I think it's okay that I'm sharing this because it's more so about me than him. Um, I was like, hey, I'm scared. I'm only going to feel beautiful if the... Like, if you tell me that, and I'm going to lose my inner self-confidence, um, mm-hmm. because there's a man telling me I'm beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I mean, do you think you're pretty? And I was like, I mean, yeah. 
I do think I'm pretty. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, there you go. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe that's a problem down the line, but that doesn't seem to be super significant right now. So I think, I think you're okay in that regard. I was like, you're right. But I was very, very proud of myself to be able to like document like specifically why I was feeling certain feelings. Um, so I think that's like a healthy mechanism. And I wanted yeah. to ask um, unhealthy mechanisms because we all have them as well. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk about it. So I think uh, the, the trash man is outside my window taking out the trash. <laughs> um, oh no. <laughs> oh no. But like something I do, I eat junk food like a mofo. Um, like if I'm stressed or sad, I will go to the Yumbo and I will get a pint of Ben and Jerry's and that will be my dinner that oh, night. Yeah. Haven't we all been there? I think that for me, food in general is a topic that I started to think about a lot, like I think um, since a month ago, because I I am known amongst my friends for always having food in my bag, no matter where I go. I always have a snack. I always carry like a freaking watermelon. I have chips in my bag. I have like full meal when I used to travel. I always had like full meals like literally like boxes in my bag and I, that I would carry with me with of course I needed them at the time but it's still this this comfort of I think I guess it's just like this instinct that any human has that food is like this basic necessity that saves your life you you live on food and it just it's it's comforting to me so and I'm lucky that I don't I don't I don't like um, gain weight easily at all. I just have like a great metabolism. Like love love whoever like is responsible for that. My genetics. I don't give a shit. Like I love that. But I always have so much food with me. I eat a lot. I I've been thinking about whether that used to be a problem, whether it is a problem. But I it just it just doesn't seem like a problem to me or anyone because I don't gain weight. Like it's not a problem for my life. Um, Maybe it's a problem for my wallet, but I mean, food, it's not the worst thing to spend much money on out of everything that is available in this world. Um, and then uh, another negative habit, maybe, that I would say for me, um, maybe alcohol. I mean, since the pandemic, alcohol, yeah. I, it's so accessible. It's so normalized. Who doesn't drink a lot of alcohol? Like, just to give an example, the party that we've been to for King's Day last week, and before that we have like this tradition of a Wodka Wednesday going on yep. because like it's W on both words in Dutch so it makes sense in Dutch. <laughs> English not so much but yeah. <laughs> no exactly but like um, I spend a lot of money to like it for alcohol and it uh, I mean oh, you, you, got us, you got us some before. gray goose so I mean you hooked us up <laughs> yeah but I think uh, in the New York Times and it was about research that was done amongst men and women and alcohol consumption in America and um, what was already known was that um, for men it's more commonly accepted to drink uh, like great amounts of alcohol than it is for women but women also do it um, uh, like not hidden but like in a different way so with women would get like they will drink for like the cocktail like a nice wine at the end of the day to, to relax a little bit and men would be more known for binge drinking or and that being like um 
uh, like a milestone of power and you know being uh, being the one who can win from others in drinking contests that that would be seen as something good and not necessarily as an issue and um what the newest research showed was that um women now actually uh kind of level out with men in terms of alcohol consumption because of the pandemic or ever since the pandemic um and of course they they kind of thought that the reasoning behind that was um that women deal with more stress at home like more domestic stress in like staying at home with the children more or being more worried about children or whatever um just more house uh chores that that might have have to be done while also maintaining work at home and that that just kind of increased the alcohol consumption of women now i think that's interesting i don't know to what extent that's true or not but i do think that in general alcohol consumption has gone up in the in the pandemic and i also think that that is an interesting um perspective to to have in mind or to keep in mind when looking at the fact that for example in holland they have a curfew for buying alcohol now um so after eight o'clock uh, in the evening you cannot buy alcohol anymore whereas there wouldn't be uh, or there weren't any restrictions before the pandemic so it does make sense even to some people it does not at first sight yeah, I think that's really interesting because, yeah, at first sight, you're like, oh, does COVID not exist after 8 p.m.? Like, why are they doing this? Um, when it, in reality, it can it can go quite deeper than that. Um, it's like, well, maybe they just don't want you, like, drinking all night, every night. Um, exactly. But then again, you can also, if you can still get it in the morning or can get it from, like, 7 in the morning until 8 in the evening, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that people will be buying less alcohol you know like if they know that they have a specific time frame in which they have to do the purchase it doesn't necessarily mean that the drinking goes down um and the fact that it still went up despite that also just shows the 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 baby basically the yeah maybe the degree to which you can get uh addicted to alcohol that it's like the most addictive drug if you want to say it like that that is on the market and widely available and widely accepted in society as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to touch base on something you said, um, the fact that, like, domestic women um, are the ones that are reaching towards, like, the wine bottle, so to speak. And this was touched as well in the book as um, that's even going into the marketing system of, like, yeah. wine companies, like, being like, oh, mommy's little helper, or, like, mommy needs a timeout to go drink her wine, her, or, like, mommy juice. Yeah. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, yep, I did. Or just also the lovely designs that are more feminine and our women are more drawn to when buying wine in the supermarkets. Yeah. Um, um, I think that all, all plays a role, yeah, sure. So it's like they know moms and women are more stressed so they kind yeah. of attack that and is like oh yeah. let's market towards women's stressors versus i don't think i've seen and maybe you have of like marketing maybe beer targeting men's stressors um i don't necessarily think so but it yeah i mean you can find a target group for anything if you really want to in marketing and I think that, for example, 
I would say, I want to say, but I mean, don't come for me if I'm wrong. I think I want to say that Heineken once had a uh, an advertisement where they, um, of course, would stage like a specific type of man to be like be be good for the job of drinking the Heineken beer, you know, okay. um, or just or just kind of showing only those advertisements on like a program in Holland which has a slogan like more for men like just a mere tv program but that is like this thing that only men watch and then they show those ad- those kind of advertisements about beer on those breaks uh within that program so i mean yeah i think you you have that for men as well um but i mean yeah like i said marketing will find its target group for anything and they get creative whenever they need to sell um and i think that maybe right now this like the getting people to buy alcohol is not the main issue. So maybe like people kind of toned down with those kind of advertisements because alcohol is bought anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I, yeah, I haven't really, I can't really say that I've noticed anything that really strike my mind. Yeah. Um, my first thought is what was that called? Um, that soap or like Dio. Um, some, and it's like, Look at me, I'm your man. Now look away. Now look back at me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh really? I don't know. Is it like the Axe? Not Axe. Um, Old Spice. No. Old Spice. Oh, oh, I don't know that one. Okay, okay. But it's always like this black, very attractive man, like with this soap that's gonna use to like. He gets all these women because he uses this soap. But I feel like that's also done in Axe, and that's done that's in all funny. these. I do. I do. Um know of one um advertisement at the moment that's going around and it's from a fragrance i think it's, it's jean paul j or something and it's called scandal and that's kind of the same idea where the the spot basically is this woman and she is walking over tables or whatever and then like the men are like flirting at her and like staring these gazes at her and like the whole dining area all the guests there kind of looking at her and screaming out to her like, oh, scandal, scandal, you know? I think that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cute, though. <laughs> cool. Um, so this also, it also ta- touched on, um, so, like, being medicated and the importance of that, if that is needed, and then if that's not available, kind of like the DIY self-wellness things, then this also yeah. kind of speaks into the marketing schemes as well. Um, and yeah. I was like, if you've ever... Also what we kind of, yeah, I think it's kind of what we talked about with the, the stones yeah. and like the, the, the homeopathic stuff that I've been talking about as well. I mean, yeah, people get crazy nowadays, especially, I mean, take a look at Instagram with all the influencers talking about exercising. Yeah. Um, I think that is a big one, like life hacks on health, on living this perfect life. And it's all not necessary to me. Like people, uh, people put more pressure on themselves by following all these people instead of just go figure out something for yourself that works. Um, for example, me with the stones, I stumbled across this shop in Utrecht randomly, and I was just in awe by all the sparkles that came from that window. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, let's check it out, and I fell in love with it, and I knew a thing or two about stones like i've always loved nature and like we have we happen to have like some marmor elements in our house here and there so i was always drawn to those things 
And I don't think that that is necessarily marketing related, but of course you can get carried away with it if you are prone to being influenced easily. Absolutely. And um, that's the main thing. Yeah. One example I wanted to talk about quickly because we're at like 35 minutes um, (laughs) is the juice cleanses for wellness purposes. Um, Uh We just, Utrecht just opened up a new juice bar. I think it's called Juice Brothers or something right across from the Stotch. Um, and I went in, I got, like, a juice or whatever, but of course, like, they want you to do, like, the three-day juice cleanses where all you drink is liquids and, like, ginger shots, um, to... Yeah, like, the extra package, the rejuvenator for life or whatever. Yes, and I did research on it, and honestly, it's just an expensive eating disorder. Um, like, it's... Yeah, I agree. trying to be advertised to you as, like, super wellness, and are you depressed? Drink some juice! Um, of course, and all your problems are gone. Yeah. Yeah, and in yeah. the website, it was like, oh, like, our juices don't contain any fiber, so it gives your digestive system a little vacation. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, life is a balance, and you should not take too many of anything, or too much from anything, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dose stuff try things out if you like them also just listen to your body people forget doing that just being quiet just listening to your body listening to your mind do whatever you feel like if you want to be moody one day be moody if you want to drink a nice juice that's marketed lovely because and you love the packaging do that you know just don't get carried away and stuff yeah that's my advice that's your advice nice um so i think we're gonna kind of round it off a little bit any last comments or thoughts i think we had a good range of topics it's lovely i love the flow of the conversation and i'm really happy that we did this podcast after such a long time i know we've always been like talking about it hey i was like hey i have a podcast and every night like when i'm with you and we're drinking like put me on it and i'm like okay i should i should hit you up like and now i'm a bit like um, not as good with my scheduling, because I would always do it Saturday mornings, like, and I would go do it Saturday morning, but now I'm, like, not in town Saturday mornings, so I'm, like, Friday morning, yeah. Sunday night, uh, <laughs> uh, but, it's nice. yeah, okay, well, thank you so much for doing this with me, I really enjoyed this, I think this was a really nice, um, yeah. little entertainment segment, whatever, yeah. um, cool, alright, um, and listeners, thank you for joining, And next week, we will be starting the next chapter um, called Chapter 4, Body Baggage, Too Fat, Too Hairy, Too Thin, to You. So that will be interesting as well. All right, so stay tuned for that. I love you guys. Bye.